Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Welcome to being an artist is, is fucking <laughs> killing me. Wow, I've never done that before. <laughs> You've never done the beginning of it? No, I've never done the beginning. I'm going to keep that because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to being an artist is fucking, fucking killing, killing me. me. And we hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. And by wonderful, we hope it wasn't too devastating when over half of you got laid off from your jobs on Friday. Because that was all of us. Yes. If you don't live in Ontario, we have reverted to stage two. Stage two-ish. Yeah. With modifications. Yeah. <sighs> they say it's for 28 days. They said it was for two weeks in March. Who really knows what's <laughs> happening at this point? <laughs> it's fucking weird. And it's kind of like... Not kind of. It's, like, really frustrating because in the beginning, lockdowns were temporary because we didn't know what this virus did and we didn't know how it acted. And it was supposed to be, like, for us to learn and understand what was going on. And now it seems that they're just locking stuff down out of... Convenience is not the right word that I'm looking for, but because... I also don't want to say control, but it seems like they're locking down the wrong... In my personal opinion, Uh they're locking down the wrong things. Yeah. They're closing the wrong businesses. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of been like uproar about dance studios closing. And fitness also, studios. Fitness studios, a lot of confusion because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem. Here's what I'll say In Hamilton, there was a huge outbreak because of fitness studio. Yes. So we can't make that argument that fitness studios aren't causing outbreaks. Right. Because if you watch the news, there was a huge outbreak. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like a lot of it comes from like bars. And by bars, I don't mean restaurants. Yeah. I mean, like, have you been on King Street in the past? four months and were you also terrified yes yeah it's like late night drinking it's late night partying because we've all been there it's like you drink a little bit you let your guard down you're feeling a little bit more reckless everyone's a little bit more of a close talker yeah because you're yelling and screaming over the music or you're like want to make out with the person across the table from you (laughs) your inhibitions are gone yeah and yeah but i don't think it like even shows that dance studios have had a single outbreak no Especially when people are, like, following such good protocols. Because they just want to keep their small business open. Yeah. They're just, like, so desperate and to keep going. To, like, stay afloat. Yeah. Exactly. It's really sad because there are businesses that are trying so hard, constantly sanitizing, constantly keeping people, like, six feet apart, wearing masks. And then there are businesses who have, like, dark blinds and are doing, like, lock-ins. Yeah. So I also think it's, like, a little bit ridiculous to make everybody close down because some people really fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you have a small business, especially if you have a dance studio or um, some sort of studio where you do painting or arts or anything, mm-hmm. we're really sorry. Yeah, we feel you. It's mm-hmm. been really hard to watch people go from being laid off when everybody was laid off, uh-huh. but then it felt like collective. We're like, oh, okay, we're like in this together. It's temporary. Yeah. To things opening back up and you're like finally feeling your footing again. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking from like my personal experience. Finally feeling good again finally feeling like maybe this is like something that will continue to just have it like ripped out from underneath your feet yeah you know and the businesses that are able to like i don't want to say fucking pivot <laughs> just say fucking <laughs> pivot <laughs> the businesses that have been able to like pivot back to live stream uh-huh. or back to online because they did it before are feeling grateful for that op- option but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of places that can't do that no everyone's also like live streamed out it's not like no, that's not the way we're, like, meant to interact with each other. It's yeah, fucking people, awful. People are Zoomed out, man. Yeah. Zoomed the fuck out. Fucking terrible. That being said. That being said, call to action. <laughs> call to action. <laughs> Guys, our Patreon page is live and updated. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so go to our Patreon, and this is the most obvious, gentle way of, if you like what you're hearing, if you listen every week, please just go donate a dollar or two dollars every month. Yeah. It's less than a price of coffee for you. It's less than literally like a yam just go (laughs) she only says that because we just spent so much fucking time cutting squash and yams for thanksgiving dinner (laughs) we have a lot of food um but yeah just it costs very little and like it goes into what you're listening to every week and Mm -hmm. we would appreciate it so much if you could help us out yeah like anything this is a business and like anything this is entertainment so we know you're already playing your spotify and itunes fees but that money does not go directly to us not at all so we would just appreciate so much if you took your time even to just go read our patreon page share it even if you don't have money to don't offer yeah um but yes please go check it out yeah i will say that it's like we 
have seen the most like exponential growth of the podcast and listeners over the third season and we live and that is literally because of word of mouth yeah because we'd have amazing guests on and they share mm-hmm. with their friends and we talk to people about it and it's literally comes all of our growth comes from people that listen and people that share it yes and so we need that we yes. need you so share donate do what you can tell people keep listening and thank you so much yeah this week we have Kimberly Ann O'Connor. Oh, this was such an inter- interesting interview because Kimberly Ann O'Connor is not only a musician, but a hypnotherapist. Yeah, it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> and you can literally hear me being confused in this. <laughs> because I'm just like constantly asking crazy questions. Yeah, she is also like so wonderful and so kind mm-hmm. and compassionate. Yeah. And if you were like a pff, hypnotism <laughs> before, which like, I'm going to be very honest with you, I kind of was. Yeah. Then listen to this episode and you're going to be like very enlightened by just like, you don't have to become like a believer or anything, but it's very interesting to like hear someone who does this for a living and has seen the effects of it yeah. on patients. Yeah. Here we go. Well, hello everybody. My name is Kimberly Ann O'Connor. I am a professional hypnotist, also a long suffering musician. I I'm so excited to uh, be on the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will share how things are for me now and how things were for me then. And I hope you enjoy. So how do you go from playing music to being a hypnotist? <laughs> We've gotten started. Are we rolling now? Are yeah. we doing this Everything's, thing? Everything's on, been on for a while, but like oh, we'll cut it to there. That's great. Yeah. Well, then let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing the two congruently for a long, long time. I became a hypnotist in 2012, and I've been working on that um, with passion, but not as much direction as I have now since that point. And then music, when I was 10, my mom gave me a guitar, and it was was over. I loved it so much. I wrote my first song that day. She thinks it's brilliant. (laughs) And I've been playing music um, and really had that as the focal point up until very recently. Mm. So I've been doing the two alongside one another for a long time. Why hypnosis? Yeah. Why hypnosis? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, how does one get started in hypnosis, I guess, (laughs) is an interesting... I'm going to try to tell the, I'm going to try to fully explain that without rambling on for a hundred years. Bottom line, I was a psych student at UBC. I uh, loved the workings of the mind. I hated my psych program. I thought it was tedious and boring and really patriarchal. And, and I didn't know what to do with it um, afterwards. And I'd always been interested peripherally in hypnosis. And then one day, I was doing The Great Time Suck, which is in Indigo Books, just like strolling through. One of my favorite things. I love it. It's so therapeutic and so fabulous. And so I found this book that seemed a little bit um, ridiculous is the word that comes to mind. It was called Mind Magic. And it had this like emblem on the front, this wax red seal um, with a giant M in it. And I thought, I got nothing to do. I'm going to look through this. Turns out, The person who wrote this book, obviously, they were not a hypnotherapist, they were not a hypnotist, but they had a hard-on for hypnotists and hypnosis. (laughs) They went through basically just a million case studies of all these applications that were so fascinating. The usual ones, weight loss, smoking, but then allergy cessation, um, healing, the ability to recall languages that you spoke as a child, um, regressive therapies, past life regression therapies, all sorts of really interesting, fun stuff. And it was written in a way that I could very quickly devour page by page as I illegally read it front to back in the the aisle (laughs) of dodging the representatives who wanted to help me. Um, They're very sweet at Indigo, but I wanted to read the book right then and there and grease up all the pages. I'm an oily person. So anyway, (laughs) so I uh, I went through the book and immediately I was it felt right. It resonated, this idea of being able to use people's inherent resilience and capability and experience, plus the power of their mind, through these induction processes that have been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I called my mom. I said, Mom, do you know anything about hypnosis? I'm thinking of doing a certification program because prior to calling my mom, I did a quick Google. Mm -hmm. There are programs, there were only two at that time. Now there are multiple programs in the city. 
It was a New York fill. It was about eight to ten months, nighttime course. How expensive course. was it? Mm, not inexpensive, but not mm. wildly expensive at this point. It was okay. five, six thousand, six thousand bucks. Uh, you know, it's like expensive. It, it's expensive. I'm not right. going to say it's inexpensive yeah, yeah. by any means. But it just sort of aligned perfectly where I was looking for the next step in my education because I was left with this psych info that I had nothing, I had no idea what to do with and didn't want to do anything with. And so I asked mom, mom, do you know anything about hypnosis? She said, no. I said, okay, cool. What if I'm going to be a hypnotist? She's like, do whatever floats your boat. Oh my gosh. Then she called me back five minutes later. Actually, I was hypnotized. I forgot. It was years ago. I was hypnotized for smoking. <laughs> and I quit for two weeks, started again, thought it didn't work, never thought about it again. And I said, well, you know. But she quit. Yeah. Well, no, she quit for two weeks and then oh, started starting again. Sorry. But I thought to myself, you know, two weeks is kind of the hump period. That's a that's an impressive yeah. timeline directly, the day one, two, three, so yeah. on of quitting. Maybe this Nah, maybe two weeks is what they give anything, right? It's like always like, 20. wait two weeks to see your results. Right. Wait two weeks. Right. Isn't it like 21 days though to like form a habit? 21 or, days to oh, form wow. a habit, they yeah. say. Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. But I think ideally she was hoping she would stay a non-smoker potentially forever. forever. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Not for 14 days, which doesn't form a habit. Right. Um, and so then I said, oh, all right, whatever. I'm still interested in this. We hang up. She calls me right back. <laughs> Your gammy bird was hypnotized, my grandma. Uh, after 40 plus years of smoking, she had one session, she never smoked again. So I said, I'm sold. And the wow. first time I was put into hypnosis was uh, my first day of class. Wow. And the rest is hypnotic history. <laughs> what was the, so there's two companies in Toronto, you said that it There was, there was. Now there's only? No, now there's multiple companies. Oh. And a lot of online training. It is a, it is, so I was a laser technician for a really long time as well. I managed laser programs in medical clinics. Okay. And it's, it, they're very similar fields in the mm -hmm. fact that there is a lot of skill required, but they're not well regulated at this point. I think right. that's going to continue to change as the popul popularity rises, which it is. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to see that over the eight plus years that people are really interested in responding and resonating with hypnosis now. Mm -hmm. Um, but why did I just say that? Uh, oh yes. So there are There's a lot of programs. There are a lot of programs. Yeah, right. Some are better than others, and still unregulated in a way that it should be regulated. I would right. Say. Right. Yeah. I have a question about hypnosis and consent. Oh great. Yes. Good yeah. question already, without even posing the entirety of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I mean, you're under hypnosis. Mm. So you're, you're putting your responsibility of your body in someone's hand, who's the person mind. leading, and their mind, in the hands of someone. How, what is like the contractual agreement amongst the person being hypnotized and the person doing the hypnotizing? Great question. It is an, so consent is ongoing. Yeah. It is a, something that needs to be constantly reasserted and uh, evaluated and given. Mm -hmm. But it's a myth that a hypnotist can make you do anything okay. that you don't want to do while you're in trance, hypnosis, the theta right. state, which are all synonyms for the state of, and some people even argue that it's a state or non-state, but I digress. When your unconscious mind is absorbent to new truth, which yeah. it will then powerfully hold, and the unconscious mind is, is said to be 30,000 times more powerful than your conscious mind. Okay. So you can make decisions through willpower, and time and time again, if the unconscious mind isn't in agreement, it will run like a pack of wild horses over that decision. So what I'm saying here, though, is that there are three things that are required for powerful change with hypnosis. Mm -hmm. We call it hetero-hypnosis when a hypnotist is working with a client, other hypnosis. Um, and there are three things required. The first is desire. You need to want what you want. Mm -hmm. Your critical faculties and your unconscious mind are, are benevolent and they're designed for your protection. So if I said the two big ones, everyone asks me about cluck like a chicken, and bank account information. That's where fears really lie due to uh, cultural communication about hypnosis. Embarrassment in, finance, in finances? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, embarrassment in finances, go figure. And so 
At this point, because I get that question so often, the first thing I say is, why would I, why would I want you to cluck like a chicken? Like, why would, why would that be something that at this point would be amusing to me? And I feel like the paper trail would be a little too thick with bank account information, just saying. Um, but when we're talking about desire, you need to want what you want. It becomes a concern with smoking cessation in particular, where someone's wife or partner or friends or kids want them to quit smoking, they need to want to quit smoking. So we get clear about that during the consultation. I'm gonna ramble for a little while actually, because okay. that's a it's really like very rich interesting. Question. Yeah, no. So there the consultation is long and yeah. broad and macro and micro. So we never do a session without a really intensive consultation. That's mandatory. So I get clear what someone wants, what future they want to live into mm -hmm. and that they really want what they want because stage hypnosis has fucked us around every turn. Right. <laughs> right. It's been the catalyst to a lot of fear about hypnosis. There's a lot of um, concerns because in the 40s and then again in the 90s, there were two people that died during stage hypnosis shows tragically. Um, alcohol was involved in both cases in the first in the 40s. Her blood alcohol was fatal. Um, the level was fatal. However, um, stage hypnosis has brought a lot of question marks to the conversation about hypnosis, especially when it's used therapeutically, because it looks like people are doing things against their will, but when you, or without consent. Mm -hmm. When you look at the structure of a stage hypnosis show, they will often bring about 20 people up on the stage. And if it's a really good night, at the end of this, have either of you seen a stage? Yeah. 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 So have you noticed that people gently and quietly leave the stage as time goes on? Yeah, because Start. they're not gonna be able to be hypnotized, right? Because not, or does it not, really work on everybody? Well, or? oh, it works on everybody. Okay. And that's a really fun topic as well. But the stage hypnotist is looking for consent, is looking for agreement. Uh. And they see that by virtue of the person showing all of the idiomotor signals, the um, responses that they're subtly asking for. Mm. So once the critical faculties or your unconscious mind or your conscious mind says, eh, I don't wanna be here anymore, I'm not having fun, mm -hmm. you will emerge from trance at that point. You may have been in trance until that point, but your critical faculties, is all, they're always listening. They're mm. always protecting you. And so ultimately the people at the end of the, I'm so rude, I didn't have this on a coaster, oh, I apologize. I'm assuming it's not hot either. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore, no, ice cold in fact. <laughs> um, at the end of the show, the people that are up there, even if it seems contrary to their personality typically, their unconscious and critical faculties wanted to be a part of the show. They thought, this is fun, I'm safe, I'm, I want to entertain, I want to give a laugh. Right. But trance is a real state, a very beautiful, powerful state. So they can come off the stage and be like, I don't have a clue what happened. And it's amazing to see the phenomenon of um, uh, amnesia during the process, which is really common in what I do too. But there was still consent mm -hmm. consistently and um, completely during the whole process. Otherwise, your unconscious mind would bring you back out. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The next thing that's required, I'm just gonna say really quickly, yeah, it's okay. is trust. So the during stage hypnosis, the person trusts the process. They know that they're here for a good time. They know right. that they may, uh, it may be ridiculous, but it's safe. Mm -hmm. When I'm working with someone, I do a lot of my sessions remotely, and I have for many years. And so they need to, my clients need to use their intuition and their instincts in a really potent, powerful way because at the end of the conversation, they need to know that I have their best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, I suggest that we do not go ahead because they won't be able to surrender into the process as mm -hmm. completely if they don't feel fully informed, all of their questions are answered, they're clear, they're mm -hmm. eager, um, and they trust me. Yeah, And it's just got to be one of those human awesome yeah. gifts that we have that you know at the end of a call, do I like you? Do I not like you? Do I feel that you understand where I'm coming from and what I want mm -hmm. or do I not? And in my uh, career as a hypnotist, I'm grateful for the fact that, and this is going to sound so pompous, <laughs> so prepare yourself, but no one has ever thought I didn't have their best interest at heart at the end of a complete consultation. Right because we comb through, we get very, very clear together. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is relaxation. You wanna enjoy the process. You wanna set yourself up powerfully, mm -hmm. lay back. You don't have to go to the washroom. Your clothes are comfortable. 
you um, aren't hungry, you're not thirsty, and then you allow yourself to relax into the experience. Mm -hmm. So desire, trust, relaxation, all of these things require continual and committed consent. Mm, okay. Hmm. Can you remind me what are like the big, there's people that want to quit smoking. Huge. People that want to uh, lose, weight. lose weight. Huge. People that want to quit drugs or so, trauma. What is, what are the... Uh, yes and yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the applications are relatively unlimited. Right. Um, now I'm an addictions counselor as well. Mm -hmm. I'm also in recovery myself. Okay. And uh, since 2018, I just celebrated my two years. Nice. Thank you. And so when it comes to trauma and addiction, I never suggest anything but a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. So hypnosis is an incredible complementary uh, tool, therapy, mm -hmm. um, gift. I'll mm -hmm. go so far as to say, but it would need to be, we want to make sure that the base trauma that responds, that has the response and a behavior, mm -hmm. the cause is addressed and healed. As, it sounds pretty rudimentary to say mm -hmm. healed, but the cause is addressed and brought to light mm -hmm. and we're not transferring uh, traumatic responses to another um, behavior. That's a, you need to really be um, responsible mm -hmm. during trauma and drugs. Smoking and weight loss, same thing. Mm -hmm. They're still self-soothing behaviors. They right. still come from association, typically um, regarding self-soothing. Mm -hmm. But it's easier to transfer um, a cigarette to a deep breath mm -hmm. and have that be the... Um, okay. Yeah. The... What is the word? The substitute behavior. Right. So yes, I deal with all of those things. Right. Some, it can be a lot more linear, yeah. where trauma and drugs, always there needs to be a community surrounding right. that person. Interesting. I'm just like interested about what the, like where, so like smoking and overeating and like trauma and drugs are obviously over here, but like what if someone was like interested in, like where are the limits between like all these different reasons that people come to you? So like, if, and where is it that you kind of think that like that's not really something I can help you with like someone that was like I love this person I don't want to love this person anymore mm. or someone that was like I want to be happy in my housing situation or like I like, where are the limits on on where where you can help and where you feel like it's it's not necessarily your position to help them does that make sense that makes yeah. perfect sense yeah absolutely I yeah. would say that when we're when we're creating with trans, yeah, and we're, I hate the word reprogramming, but when we're um, tweaking truths to really serve someone. Mm -hmm. So let's speak to, they wanna forget a former lover, or they mm -hmm. want to get over heartbreak, or they wanna feel yeah. um, uh, confident and capable with their housing situation. Yeah. We're speaking to an inherent, in both of those cases, I would right. be speaking to a peace and a presence and a safety. Right. Um, they're always, you can't do any subtraction. So when a client comes to me and they want me to subtract mm. an experience mm -hmm. or a feeling or uh, even with behaviors, we never have a subtraction process because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Because we are resource gatherers as animals, as human beings, mm -hmm. For me to say, you don't smoke anymore, congratulations, or forget that person, that person never existed, that does not work and that is wholly unethical mm -hmm. as a hypnotist. It always has to be a process of addition mm -hmm. that we're giving either a, rem a reminder of inherent strength and mm -hmm. resilience and capability or we're providing an addition of uh, positive ways of being that would serve someone. Mm. So that's really where the line is drawn. And each person is so completely different. Yeah. Each session is so completely different. Yeah. The, the line is such a spectrum and it's so incremental. Yeah. I am always the first to admit if I feel that this is not where they need to be right now yeah. or they need it to be a holistic community endeavor. Mm -hmm. But um, basically I, I listen for where I can add to someone's experience mm -hmm. of life and the freedom and the power and the joy that mm -hmm. I can add to mm -hmm. their experience. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is a big one that people are like, alrighty, <laughs> so I've had this circumstance, you see. Can we please have it 
be a non-issue and um, have it not exist, essentially right. scrub the psyche of it, yeah. and I never do. Oh, okay. it, it, we simply need to have a reminder, and I shouldn't say simply, but a reminder that every day, every hour, every minute, every moment of your life, every pain, every pleasure, every challenge, every triumph is providing a tool, a gift, a piece of wisdom that is now yours irrevocably, and then using what has been gleaned from that mm -hmm. and speaking to it with power and passion and repetition, mm -hmm. that's what I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip. Yeah, that was super informative for anyone that doesn't know hypnosis and like also has, I'm sure, their own like questions and uncertainties about them. I think that was like very beneficial. Thank you. Is there an ethics board? that yes. deals with if there is an issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So ever since the uh, moment I stepped out of my program as a certified consulting hypnotist, right. I've been a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists. Okay. And that is, they're, they're an American, um, is constituent the right word? It sounds nice. <laughs> they're American Maybe. group of yeah. hypnotists. And they deal with um, ethics, uh, insurance, okay. law, change, um, when there's legislation, they let us know. Again, Canada's a little behind the eight yeah. ball, I'm going to be the first to admit. Right. You, you really want to get to know about the experience of your hypnotist in Canada, mm -hmm. because otherwise you can, you're, it, it's not as clear the situation that you're walking into yeah. necessarily as it should be. Right. And I'm passionate about that. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So interesting. Well, thank you. I love to ramble about it. It's my favorite thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also had a question about, um, so in the information you sent us, you talk mm -hmm. about how you were able to do your sessions remotely. Yes. So post-COVID, you're looking to just go remotely. Is that is that right? Indeed. Yeah. So how do you feel because there was obviously a lot of stress and a lot of you know people falling into habits throughout quarantine. I mean, four months in your house, I ate a bag of chips like once every three days. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that um, sounds very modern, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, but how do you think this COVID has, um, do you feel like you've, been, like you've been benefiting from COVID in a sense? Because your work is almost, do you find it's needed more, I guess? So um, I always, when we're talking about uh, COVID, I'm yeah. always very well aware that I have no valuable insight. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to say that first and foremost, and yeah. I don't pretend I do. Yeah. I'm the person in every conversation just being like, wow, uh, yeah. you know, like life, <laughs> eh? Yeah. <laughs> which, it's perfect, which, um, really. Yeah. So uh, the things that are happening, but I would, so when I first started working with clients, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the long way around because okay. it appears that's my, my modus operandi today. Right. <laughs> when I first started, I had been trained to do everything one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the way you did it. It was my paradigm of hypnosis, so I would always be like breathing over my clients, staring <laughs> at them as they went into trance, and we got great results and it was awesome. But then I adopted the family dog, Lilo. Now Lilo, God rest her soul, was a very high-strung senior dog. Um, approximately the size of this coffee cup, bark like a Doverman pincer, right. and every time the breeze would blow through the window, she would bark like we were all about to be murdered. Yeah. So it was challenging to bring them to my con or to bring clients to my condo. I needed right. to get creative because right. Lilo was a tyrant. <laughs> and so I started to do these remote sessions by virtue of necessity. Right consultation over the phone, get crystal clear about what the session will look like from beginning to end, mm -hmm. and then recording a session, every breath, every word that I would say and have and do in a session if I was hovering over you like, mm -hmm. a, like an apparition, um, and sending that over within 24 to 48 hours, crisp, clear, clean, um, the ambient music that I like. Mm -hmm. And at first I was noticing people had a parallel result that they were getting the same results they were really happy and then as the years went on I realized that people were getting better results and I think it's because again we're animals if you're going into this state that is inherently vulnerable in a lot mm. of ways each trance session is different 
you change color, you, uh, your temperature changes. People move like puppies, like they have a lot of um, involuntary movements during uh, hypnosis. People also, tear ducts will relax so much that tears will stream continually down people's face. This is not uh, more common, it's less common, but it happens quite often. And so it's a very intimate process to be entranced. So I found that people were able to go all that much deep, all the more deeper, all the more deeper, and yeah. I wonder if that's just being in a comfortable like space in their homes. For right? sure. Like, oh, it's, it's a combination yeah. of factors. I mean, again, I, I know I'm a pretty nice person, but I don't want someone, I didn't want me staring at me if I right. was going into trance yeah, yeah, for the Yeah, that's first almost time. like a little bit more uncomfortable, a right? A little yeah. bit. And then there are huge benefits to having your session. Mm -hmm. Stress is the unraveler of new, um, or unraveling mm -hmm. of new synaptic firings and positive responses to former stimuli. When we go through trauma or stress, it's often important to listen to the same session word for word again, one year, two year, five years, six years down the line, right. uh, because you'll notice that there's regression mm. when you're crippled with stress or um, traumatized. Mm. So I liked all of those elements. So I was already doing that for about five years um, pre-COVID. I then have been, <laughs> been finding that yeah, I mean, this has been a pressure cooker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of our coping mechanisms are alive and well, um, more vibrantly than ever before, and a lot of our coping mechanisms suck. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I, I worry more than I find that there's been a boon. I feel like there are a lot of people who are really struggling with the isolation, mm -hmm. and I've been doing a lot of um, complimentary sessions, mm -hmm. trades, people are really worried about their money. So there it's the, I hope, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Has it been helping me? Sure. But I feel like a lot of people are alone and struggling and feeling more desperate now than ever before. And I feel like isolation is the um, most dangerous element torture. of yeah. being oh, yeah. a human being. So yeah. that solitary confinement, that's they used to torture people. Yeah, just have yeah. them absolutely crack and snap. And so, I mean, I was interviewed by Forbes mm -hmm. recently because of my remote, remote process. Yeah, that's and where I was gathering the information. Well, and that was really yeah. exciting. That was a very, um, that was really awesome and I was grateful for that. Um, and there have been great things for me personally as a, um, a privileged, connected human being. Um, so yes, it's yeah. been good. And, but it's been way more um, devastating than good, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I wouldn't, I'd say I'm emp empathetic and I'd say that, you know, people talk about being empaths or empaths. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say I am. And I think that serves me in my yeah. work, but even still, I'm really feeling heavy due to how much struggling I know it has to be happening that I don't know anything about. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd have to be a pretty big narcissist to not feel heavy right now, yeah. I think. Right. <laughs> well, no doubt. And there's the rub about how F this all is in the fact that we also need to be counting our wins more so now than ever, I feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's an opportunity to... Uh, yeah, the balance is all twisty, turny, friggly, froggly, fraggled, uh, where the things that I can be grateful for, I'm more grateful for them now than ever. Yeah. I can really see like, ooh, I've, I've got a good thing going. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, you really don't want to get too caught up in that, in those waters. Yeah. Because it, yeah, where do you find the balance of swimming in community, but also being like, thank God for this life jacket, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to think there might be systemic and structural oppression going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. But uh, no, it does seem that you really, yeah, you, the, mm. the cushioning is becoming more obvious. Yes. And I mean, let's just have a quick... Uh, yay Canada. And again, I know I have no valuable insight. I know I'm not being like, I've thought of something that's yeah. going to completely liberate us from all of this existential crisis. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the whole Serb thing, 
That's been real helpful. Yes, Jeebus, yeah. Krebus. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, no, I mean, uh, and again, t speaking to the existential crisis, no one has been immune from that. And no one is immune. I mean, now that I'm in recovery, I, it's, a, it's a heavy leaning towards higher powers yeah. in, in how I've chosen to uh, get and be sober. And so I feel like that has been a nice solve for mortality in so right. many ways. Mm -hmm. And yet, I mean, again, no one is exempt from the idea of like, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. I'm oh, yeah. going to die and I have no idea if my squishy, sweet, lovely bed will be here for me tomorrow. I have no idea if fire or flood or famine <laughs> is gonna be the thing. And we yeah. all have the, uh, the, the embarrassment of being a human being too. Like as much as you can have the cushioning and the condo and work from home and still be probably drinking too much, smoking too much, watching too much yeah. porn, eating too many <laughs> chips, which one bag every three days is not too many Guys. chips. Um, <laughs> maybe more than that. Scrumptious. Yeah. I feel like chips are good for the digestive system. I feel like oils, like charcuterie and, boards, which we're also, let's mix that into the, oh, the dietary. Scrumptious. Yeah. Hey there. <laughs> You know what, how to live. Yeah. Can I ask you what you're in recovery for? Yes. Yeah. It is kind of, you know, it's both hilarious and heartbreaking that the drug that took me down was pot. Marijuana. Really? Yeah. yeah and there are, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the fine details because the way that I recovered, you don't want to become a spokesperson for mm -hmm. the uh, groups that I run with. Mm -hmm. But there are groups specifically for marijuana addiction and marijuana recovery. So I walked into a room because since I was, I got deported, I lived in the States. So when music was my life, I used to have, I had a pretty good run with music where I worked in Miami on South Beach for a long time in like a Coyote Ugly oh, bar cool. kind fun. of situation. Yeah. It was a ton of fun. I sang all Aerosmith and Brian Adams and it was a beautiful location during the recession no one came to our restaurant so we just effed around like singing <laughs> and dancing it was so much fun uh and great people worked there but i got deported because i was working illegally so i think right. all right fine but um when i came home i had nothing to do i had always drank a lot and i'd always smoked a lot but i was so sad for all that I left and all that I had lost after I couldn't go back to the States, that I just started to smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. And then 10, 11, 12 years passed and it was like, oh geez, I am sick. I was physically, emotionally, financially, uh, I'm gonna swear, fucked. Yeah. I was so, um, marijuana determined where I went, who I saw, mm -hmm. what I did, how much of it I did, um, how long I could stay. And I was uh, losing a lot and I was so sick that I didn't realize I was sick for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm gonna get right into it. And the fact that I was also losing my mind. I felt, I was doing the hypnosis and weed was great for two things primarily and weed's awesome i will never speak ill of marijuana it was an it was so good while well, it was good it was a best friend it became a worse enemy um it was great for hypnosis and it was great for um music because i was always creating these really inspired sessions and i was creating these really i thought beautiful pieces of music working with really great people and able to stay so um enthralled by the process but even that as time went on I was just getting so dark like I was losing my mind I was starting to see like dark spots in the corner of my eyes I was sure the government was out to get me um, it was paranoia a huge paranoia I'd have to talk myself into getting on the bus at the end of it like you can do this all you need to do is just put the money it was before presto <laughs> you just need to put fucking money in the strange little thing maybe are you gonna say hi Maybe you should say hi. Don't say hi. Yeah. He'll know that you're high if you say hi. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi. hi. Yeah. And so ultimately, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I love to drink too. Yeah. So much so that I, but I was smoking so much weed that I don't know how much I was drinking. I think pretty much every day. Yeah. I also loved other drugs. Yeah. I loved other drugs. Man. But other drugs are great. <laughs> other drugs <laughs> Sorry, were so man. awesome. <laughs> but at a certain point, my spiritual deficit and how effing broke I was yeah. um, 
And how sick. I was, yeah. I mean, I used to cough things up that I would look on the sidewalk to try to find somebody else coughing up things that I was coughing <laughs> up because I was so afraid. Wow. I put batch in my weed though too. So I'd like tobacco yeah. and yeah. I was a full pipe bong smoker. I, that's how I loved it. And so I had my little pipe with me everywhere I went. And so it was hard on the lungs. Let's just say that. Yeah. But also I- Long I rips are super hard on oh, your lungs. Man, and so tasty and delicious. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've never been a, I think I remember taking like my first bong rip when I was like, 15, 16, I was like, ugh, ugh, this is the worst experience of my life. And I knew immediately I didn't like, you just got one my vibe. And, yeah. then through. and then you greened out? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, yes. So I definitely, so I want to be, so I don't get too facetious around it. Like, yeah, a huge, uh, um, it was a real problem for me. And life is so much better now. I can't even believe the way that things have turned around in such a short time. Mm-hmm. And I'm a baby in recovery, but I'm honored to be in recovery. Sobriety fucking rocks. It's been it's been amazing. You're 100% sober. 100. Wow. 100. Ah, so I had one time. <laughs> uh, September uh, 9th and 10th, again in Miami, I was going back to see a friend. And because I was in a program for marijuana, I was like, you know, I can drink. I can probably drink. Yeah. So it turns out I made up for lost time and I drank. So my uh, my sponsor at the time was so mad at me and said I had to reset my date. And I brought it to every uh, person in the community and asked their opinion. And I finally decided. You drank, but you did did not smoke. smoke. No, okay. But I drank so much that I paid the price for the next week Mm. and made a lot of choices regarding my my body and mind that I perhaps wouldn't have made. And it was it was addict behavior. It wasn't mm. just like, oh, this is like one. It was yeah. like, there was no moderation. <laughs> yeah. There was no moderation. It was moderation. like focusing the energy from that into another thing, which was probably also, which is also bad for you. Right? Well, and just yeah. going buck. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it also said something that the moment I rolled, and I thought I was going to tell no one. I thought that secrecy would be my shield. And this person that I was with in Miami, I'm like, if you tell me. <laughs> um, but I rolled out of bed the next day and the, the day before, the friend I was with, he had a beer. I sniffed it. I licked it. This was pre-COVID. <laughs> and then I took a sip of it, and it was off to the races. And then I rolled out of bed, and I immediately started drinking. Like, the moment I opened my eyes to the moment that I babbled away and passed out. Yeah. Um, so there was that. Two days in the two years. And, I, and it, it's the bane of my existence because... It was not worth it. It sucked. It was not even that fun. Miami's fun to begin with. I I hurt myself pretty badly. And so when you say the entire time straight edge, no. In 2019, okay. the two days. I mean, dicks. Yeah. I, I have no idea like what it's like yeah. to live sober, so. <laughs> right. You know, how, especially these days. But. Um, <laughs> I'm going to dive into that a little bit more, but how did being sober change the way you made and created music? Well, hmm. And did it, I guess, would be my first question, actually. It did. The two ways that it's changed how I create music are as follows. I write more music, and I play the songs less. I no longer have that, and I still hang out with a ton of stoners. They're my friends, they're my people. And so I notice the difference there, where they start a session, um, and they rip a thousand bongs and they're just so there. And I find that now I'm a lot, it's a blessing and a curse that I'm a lot more like, huh, there's this moment now. What do I want in this moment? Huh, now it's another moment. What do I want? What mm. am I looking for in this moment? Where do I feel safe? Where do I feel comfortable? How do I feel now? And I feel like there was a, um, a tunnel vision that used to come from smoking that would really serve jams. And now I don't jam as much. I find it just doesn't, it doesn't float my boat like it used to. Mm -hmm. And that is a shame because 
fuck, I could I used to be able to do nothing but play with people for days upon days upon days and smoke and smoke and smoke. And now, yeah, I get tired too. I notice the pain in my fingers when I'm playing guitar. I'll notice that my voice starts to feel a little strained and I don't push through. I'll be like, I'm starting to feel a little tired. I should go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I should have a healthy snack, a glass of water and say my prayers. <laughs> and people are like, okay. Um, I also am focused, I've been, so I used to feel like so Warren Buffett once said that it takes seven income streams to be a millionaire. And for artists, I feel we should have 11. Like I used to believe that diversification was key. And I lived my whole life being like, how can I do the most things as possible? I'm gonna be serving, I'm going to be in a program for something that could potentially be my career. I'm gonna be playing two to three times a week. I'm gonna be practicing every day. I'm also gonna be creating like, collages with inspirational phrases <laughs> and seeing if I can sell them. Etsy. Uh, exactly. And I'm also going to be networking all the time to see if somebody else has another opportunity. So that just sounds exhausting. So, yes. And then during COVID, I really, I had an epiphany of sorts. Has anyone here done the Deepak Chopra 21 Day Abundance Meditations? They are Fabulous. If someone asks you meekly and like with, uh, with what is it when you're, uh, uh, when you're not, uh, like trepidation, but it starts with an A. Um, anyway, fuck it, with trepidation. Uh, to become a part of my Deepak Chopra meditation group, do it. It's beautiful. I did my meditation today. I've done it like seven times through COVID. And it's, Deepak Chopra's beautiful voice talking about abundance and then there's a mantra and a meditation and it's just beautiful. And I started to realize that I actually believe in my heart of hearts that focused energies produce the most result. And I've seen the people around me, brilliant artists who bust their fucking asses serving, which is a thankless, very energetically draining job. Emotionally draining. Emotionally yeah. draining. Yeah. Um, also awesome. But I was finding that I needed to like have ice baths after every shift because right. I'm 35 now. Like I need to be watching myself. <laughs> and I was drained throughout the week. So I was always taking clients by word of mouth. And I've always been pretty consistent with hypnosis since I was uh, certified. But I decided to take this opportunity to really focus on mm -hmm. my passion, which is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, and the results have been staggering in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So I've moved from this long held belief that diversification is key to no, the, I'm gonna sound so white right now, <laughs> but the universe responds to intention that is clear. Oh God, uh, not really, but, but edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I yeah. truly believe that there's, there's a, res a response to courage and conviction. Mm -hmm. And uh, already, I mean, there's just been a huge, um, huge boon and burst around me getting clear about my brand and my mm -hmm. mission that is showing up in all sorts of ways. Wow. So I think I've shifted. That's One thing I mean. a day. Fuck you, yeah. Warren Buffett. Yeah. Fuck you. you I know? mean, I think he just said that because he wanted everybody to work so hard that they don't realize it's all a sham. Interesting. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Just get them so involved in the illusion yeah. that they that beca they become so invested that yeah. how can they draw themselves away? That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Huh. I mean, we're all just like, if we're too busy to notice that our government's not working for us or that you know, reality is, is real, mm -hmm. then we're just gonna keep being cogs in the machine. Right. Oh, that was very hippie of me and very like anti-establishment, right. but. <laughs> yeah, I love you for it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I have like an interesting question going like all the way back to something you said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You used the word trance when talking about hypnosis, but like also music does that for you. For So like sure. how do those, like a trance in hypnosis and a trance in music either run parallel or cross each other? They're the same damn thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like there are huge parallels and I want to speak to that um, in two ways. Okay. So there are huge parallels between uh, what I did with music and what I do with hypnosis. 
it, you're using your voice, you're crafting words and phrases and sculpting them to have the most impact as right. possible, and you're looking for resonance. And then you also, you go into a state of trance when you're uh, creating music. And fun fact, when I'm, whenever I'm creating sessions, I also go into trance during this, the session. Mm. Um, it's a telltale sign, in fact, for me that I'm where I need to be and um, what I'm creating is potent, that my hands go completely numb, that I feel out of body, that I have a time distortion where it feels like a very short period of time, then I'll look and it's 45 minutes, um, and it feels like it was four. So there are huge parallels. But also, when, so the first question I always get is about candidacy. Can I be hypnotized? People mm -hmm. always wanna know that, mm -hmm. and the answer is always you can be hypnotized. The stronger the mind, the more active the mind, the better. Mm -hmm. But we're moving through states of trance all the time, every day. Anything that you don't need to use your conscious or critical faculties for, so anything you've done before, tying your shoes, brushing your teeth, daydream, reverie, you're in a light state of trance. Driving somewhere, getting there, um, arriving and being like, all right, I'm here, but right. I have no recollection the of the drive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, waking hypnosis, waking trance, it's, they say that 90% of an average day, you can be in a trance state. Hmm. Interesting. People okay. that are sleepwalkers would be in a trance state then. People who are sleepwalkers are absolutely terrifying. They, they, <laughs> sleepwalking <laughs> frightens me to no avail. I, I'm so sorry, are you it's a sleepwalker? Okay. <laughs> not much, not like, oh, not an everyday one. I've done it like occasionally. You know, I'm so but sorry to be listen, so cool. man, No, it's all right, I'm a scary person. <laughs> it's, because, it's because I watch, so horror movie mm. is my favorite genre, and possession is my favorite way to be absolutely, like, just terrified beyond belief. Yeah. And I've always said that I have no patience for possession. And what I mean by that is, if I can't be a parent, I mean, I don't want to be a parent anyway, mm -hmm. but if my child came into my room at night and was like, there's something under my bed, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, be what so, is it? I would be so afraid. And if they did a normal thing, like, or had sleep terrors or anything mm -hmm. like that, I would be like, Ch -ch -ch. <laughs> yes. I'm just so afraid. Yeah. I feel like I go right to, am I screaming no, into no, your okay. beautiful no. setup? Mm -mm. All right, good. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it just, I'm yeah. so, I'm so sensitized by all of the movies right. about possession that I've seen. So if I came out into the, this gorgeous kitchen uh, setup and you were just standing there, right. standing off in the distance, I would never recover. Mm. Um, is it true that you can't be woken up? I, Lucas has never tried. It's happened like a couple times. And I, I feel like it's often in the moment where like I either have to go pee or like after I have to go pee. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's like, I'm like awake. You're already moving. I'm like moving, I go pee, and then it's like, like I get confused, kind of. Have you ever ended up anywhere just simply bizarre? No, I haven't gone that crazy. I think like one time when I like drank a lot and mm. I was like in like a weird state, I like was in like my closet or something weird happened. Where did, well, Danica found me one time, I think, but yeah. It's like very minuscule. <laughs> Some people like are really insane sleepwalkers. Like my sister's friend, Katie, she bartends, she's a bartender and like a writer and stuff. She bartends sleepwalking. And like- I'm so sorry. In their apartment? In what? their apartment. Yeah, so Ginger- She's like whipping up mocktails, yeah. cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. So Ginger, I mean, maybe this isn't, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um, Ginger said one time she came home and she was like bartending. <laughs> she had like cups and eggs. It was just like transferring things to glasses. And she was like, what's up girl? And then she was like, oh. Ginger was like, okay, weird response. She's like, what are you, uh, what are you uh, making there? And she was just like, I'm making us drinks. And Ginger was like, what the fuck is happening? She like turns around, and she's like eggs, and she's like cracking eggs. And then she was just like, okay, well like maybe, I don't think I want to drink anymore. So like maybe, maybe that's enough. Maybe we should just go to bed. And she was like, oh, okay. And then she just went to sleep. And didn't remember it? Nope. Mm. No, and then Ginger just like, <laughs> oh yeah, no. I I would be inconsolable if I came in and my sweet uh, roommate and friend was making sleepwalk drinks for us. 
I, all of my stuff would be packed the next morning. Really? <laughs> I just find it so disconcerting. And now to answer your yeah. question about is Sorry, sleepwalking a trance? A trance? Yeah. Oh God, I, I, it occurred to me recently that, uh, actually never mind. That's okay. Um, but I don't know is yeah. the short answer. I, because trance is not sleep. It's essentially just a few degrees away from sleep. It's mm. more conscious than sleeping. Um, but I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea where you'd be on like your your uh, energetic pulses from your brain. I don't yeah. know where they'd be measured there. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. It is. Oh, that is the most interesting thing of all is that you sometimes sleepwalk. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, yeah. No, I don't think I would. I don't do so well. Not, I don't do well with what that. a trance is. I don't think so. It could be. It could be one of the purest forms of trance. I just, I have no idea. Another thing that I would think of would be, I mean, again, I don't know anything, you're an expert, but another thing that I think would be trance that would be close to it is when you wake up to go to the bathroom to go pee and you're like kind of out of it. Like you're kind mm -hmm. of like, you're not awake, but you're not asleep, but you like know where you're going. I guess like you're in this, like you have like tunnel visions. So you're like, go to the bathroom, come back to bed, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that you'd be in a theta state yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a wild thing to be a human being. What a, what a, you know, life, eh? Yeah. I mean, there's stuff going on. Right. Um, is my mic all, all good? Some, I don't know, I just like disconnected for some reason, but like the rest of the mics will pick it up and it's fine. Right. Um, so your focus and your business is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, are you still, I mean, you still are playing music and stuff, you said. Well. That's not. Mm, I... I hang out with musicians, and I, uh, my, I have two sisters, two awesome sisters, older and younger, and my, they both are, they have beautiful voices, they play like champs, and so at first I was in Markham with my family when all of this went mm -hmm. down, and we had a freaking fabulous time. I was there for three months, um, but my little sister's immunocompromised, so at a certain point I went out into the real world and I had to come back to Toronto, but anyway, that's... You didn't need to know that, but Sorry. anyway, my older sister and I were was we were playing a lot of music at the beginning, mm -hmm. but she was really the uh, motivating factor. Um, she wanted to play. I love playing with her. Cool, but I've noticed probably because I'm doing so many more sessions, mm -hmm. but also because uh, actually I don't even really know. My voice is yeah. kind of frogged up. Something is going on. And I remember being in high school, I did a lot of musical theater and just being terrified because I heard them talking about how your voice changes at right. different points. I mean, I think it's like it changes at 12 and then it changes at 19 and then it changes at probably 35 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because something strange is happening. I went to a vocal coach who I love mm -hmm. and she was saying, ah, yes, this is very common. People are noticing stress, right? Stress. Yeah, yeah. their neck, like our necks and our shoulders, mm. and apparently, uh, going back to hippy dippy central, just like you, <laughs> um, it's a it's a throat chakra thing that we all have communication that we don't necessarily have an outlet for, mm. and there's like a blocking in the throat chakra, and I've been finding that to be true because I sound like shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you don't. I feel like all of my stress is resonating in my jaw. Oh. And so, like, I'm clenching my teeth when I sleep mm -hmm. and when I'm awake. And I started noticing it first when I went back to serving because I was mumbling to customers or to... And I was like, am I not used to talking anymore? Or the mask. I mean, our masks are like um, plastic shields, so oh, they're not against our faces. So... We, I didn't think it was that, but I like felt like I didn't have as much mobility in my mouth. Mm. And so my voice then changed and I found myself like resonating a little bit deeper, right? Mm. Which I attributed to stress. I right? think you're bang on there. I just did a, a jaw clenching teeth grinding script yesterday. If you're interested, I'll give it to you. I'll just send you the recording oh. once we go through a consultation. I love doing, it's called, B-R-U-X-I-S-M and it's like bruxism, but it's oh. it doesn't it's not pronounced as it's as it's spelled, so I'm gonna sound like a GD idiot. <laughs> but uh I've been doing a lot of grinding sessions yeah, uh, with hypnosis. We'll talk if you want it, I'll send sure. it over yeah. to you. Okay. Um I also wonder if it has something to do with like the vibrations from wearing a mask and speaking. It's almost like creating vocal fry. Oh, interesting. Because you find you have to constantly like speak a little louder. So when I had to like go back and like was had my mask on and was like constantly talking to people. My throat was 
sore. Huh. And I think it's because, again, not a scientist. Also, <laughs> not a singer. <laughs> not a good one. And if it's like here, so you get the, hey, <laughs> the vibrations going back immediately to your, like, because it's going through your navel cavity, obviously. So I feel like that's like causing it, like they're more focused and they're not like going out, right? Projection. So I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like there's like something there about the sound all of a sudden being here with your senses. I, I think you could not be, I, I don't think you could be onto something more. I think that that <laughs> is so astute and interesting. And yes, I mean, even to a certain degree, I don't know about everybody else, but my internet is a petulant child and it has been really upsetting me around my multiple Zoom interactions. And I do find, yes, so the mask, I'm yelling at my computer day in and day out. And then I would say there's these really interesting um, uh, spikes of activity and inactivity because you're exactly right that I'm now screaming at everyone in my mask. Again, I have a really thick mask. I need yeah. to switch that shit up. <laughs> yeah. um, and I then do nothing. Then I have periods of silence where I'm not massaging anything. I'm not getting any lubrication on right. uh, my cords, you know? Right. So I don't know, but I, so I used to be the darling of the family musically, yeah. but lately my older sister's been writing brilliant songs and my mom, <laughs> my mom has always been a, a voracious fan. She is just like there, she's yeah. so wonderful, but she's very decisive. So she's decided that Sarah's now the darling of the family and I am not okay with that. I'm wow. really quite upset. So we went to camp and there was a guitar there. My mom also plays beautifully. Oh, and so we were going sweet. around with the guitar and my sister sang like an effing lark, these brilliant <laughs> songs. And everyone was just like, oh my gracious, I have been born and reborn. Yeah. <laughs> and then it got to me and I was just like, eh, you should come do the, and my mom was just like, oh. <laughs> broken and I'm still broken inside Aww. this has been a yeah so musically I mean my career is going great yeah. my art I mean I would say my career is my art as well yeah. it's it's uh, extremely creative for me and it's a mm -hmm. it's a great creative outlet mm -hmm. but I'm crashing and burning musically recently <laughs> <laughs> just like ask my mom based off that ask one run from your mother <laughs> she was, I mean she it was a moan it was Aww. a moan of effigy um, yeah and uh, so far, I haven't been able to redeem myself. We're going camping, uh, is it next week? Is it next week? Maybe. What is time? But, Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm just going to pass the guitar along, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not taking a turn. I can't bear it. <laughs> that's fine. We have one more question to ask you before we're done. Okay. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Uh, it was. It used to kill me a lot more. Um, so, being an artist was fucking killing me. I... Again, drugs and music went hand in hand, and I, you know, I don't think I'm the only one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my, yeah, and um, th the way that I socialized, the way that I played, the way that I practiced, the way that I created was very much fueled by being altered. And now, and it also, diversification was the name of the game when I was really trying to push the songs on Spotify, push the songs on iTunes, push the songs on Google Play find as many places as possible to play. The stress, the money, I mean, it was um, the assimilation of other people's success, mm -hmm. which at first was like a knife to the heart mm -hmm. and then would transmute itself into inspiration eventually. Right. But it was really challenging to, I once heard Naomi Watts say that all she ever wanted was to be an actress and she wanted it so badly that it never showed its it, ne it never showed up for her and i'm completely paraphrasing naomi watts i'm sorry if you're listening <laughs> i'm trying to get the gist yeah. um and then when she decided to surrender that it may never happen for her that's when she got her first big role yeah. there was a surrender that lent it, lent itself to um her success and i just couldn't let go of the reins i was so sure that I needed to do this thing, but I just, and I'm a linear thinker, I was never told what the thing was. So it right. was it was so much fun. 
and I met awesome people and it was so exhausting and draining and uh, hard on my spirit. And what I've determined now, um, I had an epiphany around the fact that, and this wasn't recent, this was relatively recent, but I had an epiphany around the fact that if I continue to share music, if I continue to love it and I just continue to make it, the barometers for success, they really, I mean, you can't get any, they're different and you can't get any guarantees. But if I share music and I am a musician, just like if I share hypnosis and I am a hypnotist, when I die, the people that know me or knew me will know me as a musician, will know me as a hypnotist. And I've won. That's, you can't make any guarantees except for the fact that if you share yourself boldly with the people in your life, your legacy will include those things that you shared. Um, and so that was a, that was really soothing to me as a very anxious kid, as somebody who wanted for long periods of time, wanted nothing more than music. Um, but I would have to say that it's not killing me now. I love the fact that I had now have money to make music. That's been a huge thing yeah. to make your own money and get to, um, have your art in your own hands. Mm-hmm. That's been huge. Um, growing up is beautiful. Uh, aging is beautiful. It's awesome to have this opportunity. Um, and thing, you gain a lot of peace that where there used to be a frenetic energy. And I'm really liking focus. Having my days be guided by focus. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's really not killing me anymore. That's all right. <laughs> I think that's like a beautiful response. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to realize yeah thank you yeah um thank you so much this has been so much fun thank you so much for having me and letting me ramble on no i was very interested yes uh thank you all for listening uh if people are interested in what you do where Mm. can they find you my website consultinghypnosis.ca I'm also on YouTube, uh, consultinghypnosis.ca, and my name is Kimberly Ann O'Connor. You can find my tunes there. And uh, yeah, book a complimentary consultation. I would love to talk to you about all things hypnosis, and if you want to talk about music, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And if you're looking to find us, go to our Instagram, Twitter, let us know what you think, write a review, go to Spotify, go to Google Play, listen on any form, but please make sure you subscribe. We love to know you're listening, and we love you. Have a great day.